0: Today we're uh, continuing our study through a series I'm calling Deeper, and we're looking at four different ways that uh, we go deeper in our relationship with God so that we can grow spiritually. And today we're looking at uh, the tool, if you will, a spiritual tool of the church. And so we've looked at the word and prayer Uh, This week we're looking uh, at the church, and so we're going to start. We're actually going to go two places. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but we're going to start in Ephesians 5, and then we're going to go to 1 John 4. So if you have your Bibles, join me in Ephesians 5. But let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our text. Father God, we just uh, thank you for our church, and and as we uh, study about what is the church and how the church helps us grow spiritually, I pray, Father, that we would just be grateful for our church. This church is like all other churches and that it's imperfect. It's filled with imperfect people. But Lord, we do just thank you that this is a healthy church, a church that is committed to sound doctrine, a church that is committed to shepherding leadership and, and to reaching our community. And Lord, even in our imperfection and even in the mess of doing church together, I pray that this would be a place where It draws us closer to you, a place that would help us grow spiritually and equip us for ministry. And so, Lord, as we look at these different metaphors of the church and the New Testament and as we wrestle with how we can be part of this church so that we can go deeper, I pray, Father, that you would just give us insights and understanding. Send your Spirit to just help us see how we can just invest deeper into your bride father I pray that uh, you would uh, send your spirit to just not only give us eyes to see the the truth of the gospel but that you would convict us in areas where we need conviction but also uh, encourage us where we need encouragement so spirit come and, and do your work today and finally I pray that I would not say anything out of step with your will or your word but I would simply hide behind the cross it's in Jesus name we'll pray amen well, in, in college, church for me was really a, a commodity that I was consuming. I, I was really picky. I was, I was picky about what I thought I wanted. I was picky about what I thought would be helpful in the church. I was picky about what I thought was good for me. And what I mean by that is I was picky about when I showed up and when I left. So if I didn't like the worship or I didn't like some of the songs that were going to be sung, I would show up late and I would leave early and if the sermon wasn't on a topic that I was interested in, or if I didn't think it would, was helpful to me in some way, I, I just didn't show up. I would stay at home. I, I was picky about who I wanted to be around. So if I liked the people who were going, then, then, then I would go. But if I didn't like most of the people, then I would stay, stay at home. I, I was picky even about what I gave. So, so if I thought something was important to me personally, then I would give to it. But if I could find some little way to criticize something, then I would withhold my, my meager college funds. I, I was, uh, even though on the outside, I looked like I was faithful. And and, and to be fair, like, like if you looked at me on the outside, like I was periodically going to church, right? So yay for that for a college student, right? And 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 I, and I was like giving some, and I was attending some of the groups sometimes, but but there was a a different heart going on on the inside. There was a heart that was very halfway committed to things. I was was, uh, treating even good things as a commodity to consume, rather viewing my church as this thing that God had given me to totally transform my life. So I wasn't really living in community. I wasn't really loving people. I, I wasn't really giving myself totally to the church and, and then allowing God to transform me into His image. So I wasn't fully trying to glorify God in all things. Again, church was a commodity I was consuming, and I was picking and choosing rather, to, rather than sacrificially loving the church. Have you ever been in one of those seasons? Don't raise your hands, okay? I, I know you have because you're like me, right? We've all been in those seasons where this is just maybe a box to check. Maybe this is, it's just this thing that is, uh, you're consuming to get something out of it that, that you think is important. Rather than this tool that God has given you to help transform you into His image. Why is church essential to our spiritual health? Well, if you're new with this today, we're just in this very brief kind of doctrinal, uh, topical series on, on how we go deeper in order to, to grow spiritually. And we've said that typically when people think about growing spiritually, they think about adding more, you know, going to church more, reading more books, giving more, serving more. But in reality, God has set it up to where it's really about going deeper with him. It's about knowing him in a more intimate way. And out of that intimacy with him, that's how we grow. So the more we know him, the more we look like him. And that's really the mark of true spirituality. But, but that process, and this is good news, that process is less mystical than we tend to think it is. I tend to think spiritual growth is this mystical thing. Like, I don't know how to do it. But, but the reality of it is, is God really gives clarity on how we can grow Two weeks ago, we looked at at the Word, and we said the Word is the way God primarily communicates to us. God is a person. He wants to have a relationship with you, and the way you have relationships with people is you communicate with them. And the main way God communicates to us is through the Word, the Bible. But then the way we communicate back to Him is through prayer. And so prayer is essential in going deeper in our relationship and growing spiritually. But but today we're talking about the church. The, the church And being part of the church is also key to your spiritual growth. Being here is essential for you growing deeper. And and this is an important message because I think we tend to misunderstand the church and the role the church is supposed to play in our spiritual lives. And as a result, many of us go through seasons, maybe long seasons of our lives, where we hide from the church. We don't live like transparent, open lives with people in the church. And further, this is important because we can be really selective. We can be very picky. We can pick and choose who we want to be part of, not wholly committing ourselves to something. And we just kind of, periodically uh, are involved with things. And as a result, we're not really loving Jesus's bride. We're not really giving ourselves to it. And lack of love for the church, it leads to lack of intimacy with Jesus and a lack of spiritual growth. So today, like the last couple of weeks, I just want to ask a couple of questions. What is the church? And then how does the church help us go deeper? And then I want us to see how all this is good news and then look at maybe some practical tips for loving the church. So first, what is the church? Now, we're going to bounce around a little bit here, but to get specific, the church is God's people gathered and scattered. If you want a definition for what is the church, it's God's people who are gathered and scattered. So we're a people with a purpose. The church is made up of God's people. These people that have placed their faith in Christ, have trusted Him, have, have been uh, born again, have been transformed by the gospel, have moved from this category of enemies with God uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, under His wrath to now we're beloved children of God, adopted and sealed in Him. We're God's people. But but then we have a purpose, and so we gather together. And so the things that we do are very intentional here, and, and it's all about helping you in your discipleship. So we gather together for the teaching and preaching of God's Word. We gather together for worship. We gather together for communion and baptism and the one another's. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we, we baptized uh, uh, six people. And it was a beautiful service. And, and, and I walked away from that just so encouraged. And, and all of those folks, uh, um, they had a testimony that they read. We put them on our blog. We were just going to dump all those on social media. But we said, you know what? This is such a blessing to read this. This encourages us so much. We're going to spread this out over six weeks. We just want to spread out the blessing. Like, like all of that, all of those things, those things that we do when we gather, they're an attempt to encourage you and equip you for ministry. They're there to help you in your discipleship. So there's intentionality in all of it. But also, the church not only gathers together, but then we scatter for mission. We scatter for evangelism and service. Again, the church is God's people. We gather together and we scatter together to spread the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want you to. Just take my word for it. I want to look at five different metaphors in the New Testament for what is the church to, to, kind, of, to kind of bolster that definition. And, and the five metaphors are, number one, family, number two, priesthood, number three, God's house, and then number four, the body of Christ. And finally, where I want to land with Ephesians 5 is the bride of Christ. But, but first, regarding family, there's a series of passages that allude to this. But 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 says... Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Young men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So when you were converted, you were converted individually. But you were also converted into a family. And, and this family, this church, is intended to function similar to the way other families function. We have God as our Father, and we're this collection of brothers and sisters. And, and as as our father, he loves us. He's a good father, and he loves us with this tender fatherly love, and he gathers us together as a family out of his love. And so we're this church family based upon the fact that we, have, we share the fatherly love of the father, and that love has a purpose. And, and, and what I'm about to say here, I don't want anyone to amend this, but you know this is true. Family can be difficult, right? Again, don't nudge anybody. But the reality of it is, is you have been born into a family, but family can be difficult. Family members can be hard to love. However, when you need them, they're there, right? And if you think about your family, like, they know you really well, and you know them really well. And so sometimes that relationship can be difficult, but when you need them, they're there, in a similar way, he's called us to, to love each other like a family. We're to, to love each other even when we're hard to love. Uh, but, but family member, this, this family metaphor, it means that the, the church is born out of fatherly love so that we can then love each other as a church family. Second, regarding the church being a priesthood, first, uh, uh, first Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Priests are these these go-betweens. They go between humanity and and God, and and they have kind of a ministry both ways. So as priests, we we minister to God in, in, in worship and and, and as priests, we minister to the world around us, the people around us as well. But, but rooted in that is that we're, as he says, we're supposed to, to live holy lives in order to qualify ourselves as ministers. So we offer these sacrifices up and we offer these sacrifices down and out. And that's born out of the fact that, that we are holy. God has made us holy so that we can do this. Again, we're a people with a purpose. And so he has sacrificially loved us so that we can then sacrificially love other people. You are to be holy with God's people, but also minister with God's people. Well, number three, regarding the church being God's house, Hebrews 3.6 says, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Again, we're a people with a purpose. So so faith in Christ, sticking with this house image, is how you get into God's house. However, Christ is, is faithful then to preserve your faith when you're in that house. And when you're in that house, you then have this purpose to help increase other people's faith. So if you're in that house, as other people come in, you're supposed to help uh, uh, participate in increasing their faith. So teaching and communion and worship and celebrating baptism together, all that has this general uh, purpose or this general hope of increasing other people's faith. And, uh, in other words, the, the church is kind of like an aircraft carrier where, where you kind of fly in and you get encouraged, you get equip- equipped, and then you're to be sent out to spread the gospel around you, the the, the the gospel faith that brings us so much hope. It's meant to be shared with others. You're in this house in order to be bolstered yourself, but then also to, to uh, increase the faith of other people in the house. Number four, regarding the church being the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.12 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He uses this body image to highlight that, okay, we're all different parts, but really at the end of the day, we're we're united. We're united in Christ. We're one body, although there's a diversity of parts and functions. So we're unified and we're diverse. And one of the points he's making here is no matter what function you play, it's all important. Everyone is important in this body. He goes on to say in verse 20, there are many parts, yet one body. All of them are important. And then he says in verse 25 that that the purpose of or the function of all those different members of the body, they're there to care for one another. So no matter who you are and no matter what function you play in this body, you you, you have a purpose here. You're supposed to be here and you have a purpose of caring for the other people who are here. You're here for a reason. You're here to, to love one another. You're here to care for one another. Well, finally, and this is kind of the the main image I want us to camp out on, is is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Marriage is meant to point us to Jesus. Marriage is meant to be this this parallel between the, the way Jesus and the church relates to each other. Now, the whole thing breaks down if if the church and Jesus aren't relating well to each other, or if husband and wife aren't relating uh, well to each other, then, then the link isn't made. So it kind of informs both sides of it. But, but what he's getting at here in this image is, is, that, is that he gave himself up for her. That's how you got here. You got here as the bride because your husband gave himself up, is what it says in verse 25. That means that he died for us. He atoned for our sins. He washed us clean. He has sacrificially loved us. And now as a result of his good work, we are now his bride. A better way to say that is we're his beloved bride. He loves us, and that's why He's made us His bride. So, And further, God continually, sacrificially loves us. And the good news gets even better because that's how you became His bride, because of His love. He promises to continue to love you, and He's going to love you sacrificially into eternity. You're in this new relational category with Him. You've moved from an enemy of God, not only to neutral, but now His beloved bride. You you have been sacrificially loved. That's why you're here. That's why you're here today. Not from anything that you've done or anything that you've sacrificed. He has sacrificially loved you, and that's why you're here. That's why you're you're part of the church. But we're a people with a purpose. So he has sacrificially loved you so that now you can sacrificially love others. Do, do, Do you see the link there? What is the church? The church is God's people because God has sacrificially loved us. He's died for us. He's atoned for our sins. We're His beloved bride. Love got us into the relationship. Love is is the core of what it means to be in the church. You are here and part of His new family because God loves you. You are His beloved bride. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that that, uh, nothing changes that status? Listen, maybe you've had tough marriages and maybe that status has changed with, with, your, with, your, uh, with your earthly husband or, or your earthly wife. Listen, with Jesus, it doesn't change. You're his beloved bride forever. He has sacrificially loved you in the past. He's sacrificially loving you right now. And he's going to sacrificially love you into the present. That is good news. And on the ground of that good news, we're then to be the church, meaning we are to sacrificially love his beloved bride but how how does being that beloved bride help us go deeper in our relationship with God how does it help us grow spiritually okay love the bride i'm to love the church love one another but but how does that really help us go deeper flip over to 1 john chapter 4 we're going to look at 1 john chapter 4 verse 19 1 john 4:19 says we love because he first loved us. When, when Kristen and I were engaged, we, we were looking for a verse that, w- that would just kind of thematically shape our marriage. And, and we landed on 1 John 4.19. And, 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 you know, the love stuff is what got us there, okay? Like we were looking for a verse that, that talked about love. Okay, we're supposed to love each other. Got it. But, but as we really reflected on that verse, we found how grounded in the gospel it actually is. You see, Kristen and I didn't want to to love each other out of our own strength. We also didn't want to love each other according to like some sort of fallen vision that maybe the world gave us on what love is, or, or that maybe we constructed ourselves of what love is. But like like we wanted something that was deeper. We wanted a, We wanted a sacred love. We wanted a better vision for love than than what the world was offering. But we also knew that, okay, we want to love each other in the way Jesus loves us, but we know we can't do that. So we wanted him to empower us to love each other. So we resolve to love each other because Jesus loved us. Friend, you are God's beloved bride. Therefore, you are called to love. You are called to love according to the example that that he has given us, The, the example that he's given of how he's loved his bride, which is sacrificially he's called you to then love that same way but also he calls you to love in his power because he has loved us he, he had uh, as his beloved bride you're called to love because he first loved you so loving the church sacrificially like Jesus has loved you and loving the church according to Jesus's power that's how you go deeper that's how you grow spiritually let me chase this a little further Love means, and if you're looking for a definition, here's the definition for you. Love means means to find happiness by helping someone else be happy. Finding happiness, finding joy, like inside, in your heart, finding happiness as you help someone else be happy. Now, there's an inside-outside aspect to that. In other words, this takes all of who you are. If you're going to love in the ways that God wants you to love, it's going to take everything. It's going to take the inside heart motivations, and it's going to take the outside behaviors. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you're going to need help to change your heart. You're going to need His help to go deeper. You see, naturally at the heart level, we're not going to want to love certain people in the church. Let me. I want to, I want to say this a certain way. God will always bless you with those people who are easy to love in the church. He's always going to bless you with that, okay? There's going to be these people that you just connect with. You're into the same stuff. You laugh at the same jokes. And maybe maybe surprisingly, you're going to say things like, yeah, hey, me too. There's always going to be people like that that are a blessing to you that you're going to be called to love. But, however, and I want to say this, A certain way, God will also always bless you with those people who are hard to love in church. There's always going to be people that you're going to have trouble connecting with. They're going to see things a little different and you're going to be tempted to judge them harshly or disregard their perspective. Maybe they're always complaining or draining you in some way. However, I said both of those categories as blessings. You you see, they are God's blessing to you because you're going to need God in order to love them. Are you with me? You're going to have to lean into your relationship with him in order to love certain people. You're going to need his strength. You're going to need his insights. You're going to have to go to him and his examples of sacrificial love, his examples of how he has steadfast loved loved you in order to love other people. You're also going to have to grow closer with him in order to love other people. Like like there's going to be small groups and planning meetings and church events and chit-chats in the foyer that are going to drive you to your knees. We love because he first loved us. So loving the church will drive you deeper into the arms of Jesus. That's how it helps you go deeper. But something beautiful will rise out of the depths of that. Like if you check your heart and you do that heart work with Jesus uh, of trying to love people in the ways that that he would love people, and out of his strength, what you're going to find is is you're then going to love people with your hands. It's going to move from the inside to the outside. So you're going to repent of selfish, unspiritual living. You will happily give time and resources and energy. You're going to invest energy to equip, uh, uh, be equipped so that you can more effectively minister to people. You're going to give up your Tuesday night to go serve with people. You're going to be really groggy on Sunday afternoons, but then you're going to get up and go to a community group anyway. You're going to focus less on your needs and more on the needs of others. You're going to start a prayer list. And then that thing is going to get crazy. Like, it's just going to get a lot of prayers, a lot of crazy prayers. And and then you're going to have to, like, figure out, how do I organize a prayer list? It's going to get that long. You're going to get asked to do something, and you're going to be, you're going to say, I'm totally inadequate to do that. And the leader's going to say, yes, you are. And then you're going to say, I don't want to do that. But then you're going to do it, and and you're going to kind of, you're going to buckle down. You're going to say, I'm going to figure out how to do this. And then you're going to step into that ministry and you're going, to, you're going to pour yourself into it and you're going to find along the way that you all of a sudden have this like genuine heart for snotty-nosed preschoolers. And then you're going to invest in it and you're going to get good at it. And then you're going to look back maybe days later, maybe months later, maybe even years later, and you're going to be so grateful that you got to invest in their lives because you are Jesus's beloved bride and because He first loved you, you will love. And by doing that, you're going to grow spiritually. Your joy will increase. You're going to look more like Jesus, this goal of your spiritual life. But it will come with a cost. I want to be clear, it won't be easy, all those things. It will require you to preserve through failure and through hurt feelings. You will have to forgive. Now, maybe other churches in town, that is not the case, but in this church, you're going to have to forgive somebody at some point. You're going to have to bite your tongue. you're going to have to not say what you really want to say. You're going to have to follow imperfect leaders and do things differently than you really want to do them. And hear me, you're also also going to hurt other people's feelings. So not only are you going to have to forgive people, you're going to have to go to people and ask for forgiveness. Love is messy. Love in the church is very imperfect. But hear me, don't run from the mess. Remember that you are His beloved bride. In the mess, run to Him. You're His beloved bride. He's going to receive you. He's going to help you. He's going to wash you with the Word. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to be with you and for you. And through all the mess, He's going to conform you into His image. By loving Jesus' bride, you're going to grow deeper and you're going to grow spiritually this is why you're here brothers and sisters the call of this is to love the church can I leave you with maybe one just practical tip on how to do this I was looking for a few different things this week of like okay something practical and I kept going back to our membership covenant and listen our membership covenant it's it's not that great okay I wrote it it's not it's not flower like a, this poetic something okay it's just it's working man writing, okay. Like it's and, and we recite it at, at our membership meetings, and it sounds like a cult. It's so weird and funny to me, but but like it's just it's just functional, okay. And what this is this is kind of our roadmap to how to how to live and love in the church. That's all it is, okay. This is what the members covenant together with God to do, and, and it starts with talking about confessing that we have been saved by his grace, we've been baptized, we're committed to live in community with each other. It talks about having broken people, loving broken people. We recite every time we get together that, okay, we're committed to our doctrinal convictions and our statement of faith. But here's what I want you to hear. Then we say, I value membership in Redeemer Church and I also embrace the structure. Again, this is not poetry, okay? I embrace the structure of Redeemer Church as a vital part of my spiritual growth. I will commit to regularly attend worship services and membership meetings. I will play an active role in small groups instead of including service projects. I will serve needs within the church, especially with children and youth. I will tithe or sacrificially give of my income to the Lord through giving to Redeemer Church. I will regularly share the gospel to the unbelievers in my life. And even though I'm not perfect, I will live a lifestyle that seeks to embrace God's call to holiness and Christlikeness so as not to cause the harm, cause harm to the name of Jesus. That's what our members commit to. That's functional writing, but isn't that a beautiful way to live? Isn't that a, a beautiful way to to grow spiritually? You see, that's what I believe He's calling us to. I believe God is calling each of us to love His bride, and, and we find happiness by helping someone else be happy. That, that, that's what it means to love. His bride. We're, we're to live for others. That's how we glorify God, by, by loving His bride. And, and one of the things that I think is good news about all this and this whole series, this is not unattainable stuff. This is doable stuff. This is not mysterious. And, it, and it's also really doable. Basically, our membership covenant explains that that we commit to gather together, serve together, and give together. We, we call you to show up, to serve, and to support. And hear me, that is doable. And also, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. It's going to drive you to your knees. But when you get up, when you rise, you're going to find that you're more loving. Now listen, this is an obvious, shameless plug for something, right? Like this is a call to the one another's. These images and metaphors of the church are a call to the one another's specifically to love one another. And just like exercise... You can't love one another theoretically, right? Like you've got to get in there and do it with real people. That's, what, that's the real glory of the church. To love one another requires you to live in Christ-centered community. Friends, listen, some of that can happen on Sunday morning. There's a level of community that you can experience here on Sunday morning. But, but really, if you want to love one another, you need to be in a community group. So, Sunday morning is important to our spiritual life preaching of the word prayer and worship communion all of these things there's a level of community that we happen uh, that we experience but really if you want to love the church you, you've got to go deeper you can't love the church theoretically love real people in real in this real and perfect church um, I, I want to close this thing in kind of a weird weird way I, I've never done this uh, I've timed this I've read, I've read I'm going to read a letter okay? And, and it's seven minutes. I've timed it, okay? So don't panic. This is going to feel like half an hour. It's long, okay? It's seven minutes. I've timed it. I read it three times yesterday. This is seven minutes, okay? This is from a book called uh, Why Do I Love the Church? by Kevin DeYoung and Ted Kluck. And, and this is how the book ends. This is a letter from Ted to his son, Tristan, okay? It's why he loves the church. Don't panic. It's seven minutes. Relax. There's some gold in here. There's some, there's some dad wisdom. Dear Tristan, by the time you read this, it might be hip to like the church again. Right now it isn't. But luckily for us, you're five, and for you, church is just another place with good toys, friends, and a lot of space to run. You love church now, and you love it for many of the same reasons we love it. You get to see your friends there every week, and you know they're going to be there because their parents and us have committed to being there. You get goldfish crackers and juice there. While we get donuts and bad coffee, but the idea is the same, friendship and relationships. You get to know people whom you'll hopefully know for a long time because you share a bond in Christ. There may very well be times in your life when you wonder why we're making you go to church. And let me say now that we won't be doing it to make your life more difficult. Or because we want to be right or in charge. We'll be doing it because we love church ourselves. We want to honor God by worshiping Him with other believers, and we care about your spiritual growth. And let me also say that when you get to be my age, you'll understand. I understand now why Mimi and Poppy made me go to church all those years, and I'm glad they did. There may very well be a long period in your life when you have an indifferent or maybe even a hostile relationship with church. As I look back, the majority of my grade school years were spent drawing cars and football players. I wish I could have those Sundays back, but to be honest, I'm not sure what I'd do with them. I was probably indifferent, but I still got to sit through a lot of sermons, hear a lot of scripture, and sing a lot of hymns, many of which I remember to this day and have sung in my head while being wheeled into surgery, led into a boxing ring for sparring, or putting my hand on astroturf in front of 600 pounds of ex-convict defensive linemen. There's scripture and comfort in those hymns. I sang them in a cold flat in Ukraine when i wasn't sure we'd be able to take you home and i heard more inside than i've ever heard in my entire life there may come a day when you look around your church and you don't see very many people that look like you perhaps they're all married and you're not they may have all they they may all have big families and you don't you may think nobody in church votes like you do or thinks like you do i encourage you to ask questions of these people get to get to know them ask them why they're still in church after all these years And listen carefully to their answers. And I would bet that very few of them will say things like obligation or because it is a vibrant discussion or to ask questions or because we've always done it. People don't give up large portions of their lives for questions. People make counterintuitive decisions like going to church for truth and for a faith that they'll take to the grave. I pray that one day you'll Be able to ask your pastor about free will versus predestination. I hope you'll ask him about the Trinity, about infant versus believer's baptism, not because these things, these are the things that divide, but because it will be evidence that you care about your faith and you hold it dear. Nothing would make me happier, son. I pray that one day you'll be able to articulate what it is that you believe, not because you'll want to use it to win arguments, but because you'll be passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll meet your friends at church. I know that I've uh, I've met friends in a variety of crazy places, boxing gyms, football fields, bars, coffee shops, workplaces. But you can also tell that the majority of my real friends in life, the people who will be with me through good times and bad, they come from church. These are the people who pray for us and with whom we do life with, and it's a privilege. But along those lines, I want to tell you that church is more than the soap opera that your mom and I make it sometimes. Doing life with people isn't always pretty. People don't always agree, and sometimes those disagreements can be unpleasant. You're not going to like everybody in your church. But my prayer for you and for us is that our shared commitment to Christ will overcome this too and will grow in love and respect for everyone in our congregation. I pray that one day you'll profess your love for a special girl in front of a church full of your friends and those who you worship with. I pray that you'll commit in front of those friends in God to lead her spiritually. I pray that God would surround you with people who challenge you to die to yourself and to your sins. I pray that your relationship with your wife will look a lot like, like the one that Mimi and Poppy have had all these years. As I typed this, they've been married for 38 years and are still going strong. And the church has played a huge role in their lives. I also hope that at, at some point, you'll get a chance to experience the body of Christ through hard times. If there's one thing I've learned in my years of church involvement, it's that hard things happen to everybody. There's sin in the world. And as a result, our bodies are in a constant state of decay. Our lives are almost always, it seems, in turmoil. Nearly every family in our church has dealt with Job losses, cancer, heart disease, marital discord, infertility, and the death of a child, or a myriad of other tough circumstances. Through that, I've seen the body of Christ work in wonderful ways. I've seen people give sacrificially of their money and their time. I've been prayed with and prayed for. Church isn't a magic pill that you take that punches your ticket for heaven. Nor is it a glorified country club. You attend to be around people who talk, think, think, look and act like you do. It's a place to go each week to hear the word of God spoken, taught and affirmed. It's a place to sing praises to God, even if those songs are sometimes sometimes feel a bit awkward. It's a place to serve others. It's a place to be challenged. Sometimes you'll feel uh, uncomfortable with those challenges because sometimes your life will need to change. This has been the case with me. It's more it, it's about more than fundraising or networking or meeting a girl. Or even great things like serving the poor and reaching out to the reaching out to the community. I hope you'll always know that the Christian life isn't about what you can do for God, but rather what God has done for you on the cross. If this message isn't central to your church, again, you may need to find a new one. But for now, enjoy your toys, enjoy your Sunday school classes, and I'll try to do something with the piles of paper you bring home from them each week. Enjoy your friends and enjoy the knowledge. You're acquiring about about the Christ that you asked to live in your heart who revealed himself through the scripture and about whom you can know things. It's only through Christ that I can do even an adequate job as your father. Love always, dad. It's pretty good, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, love the church. And on November 12th is our next Better Together membership class. Let's pray. Father God, may we be faithful. May we be faithful in in sound doctrine. May we be faithful having the right convictions. May, May we behave in faithful ways. And connected to all of that, may we be faithful to love one another. May we be a church in our imperfections that is known for loving one another. May we work for the other's good instead of just our good. Father God, do a work in our hearts. Help us to go back to who we are in you. People who've been bought. The beloved bride of Christ. And out of those glorious truths, may we be faithful to love one another. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen.